Episode 512, Steve. A significant number. It is. A it's, recognizable, funny internet number. 512. Yeah, we're half of a gigabyte. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. All right. a good one steve hi everyone i'm ryan and i'm steven this is 60 cycle hum the guitar buying selling trading modding fixing breaking reviewing playing podcast and even if you leave in the comments that we should fire steve guess what you can't because i'm not an employee (laughs) he's more of a partner i suppose another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are we, par- are we partners, Ryan? Or are we employees of each other? Ryan, this first ad was sent by Steve Peterson. This says, "This was a labor of love. One of my favorite mysteries: DB Cooper in the 1971 Thanksgiving skyjacking that has never been solved. This is a maestro by Gibson Les Paul Jr. that plays and sounds great. Hand painted with Cooper's police sketch, reward poster info, 727 silhouette, and DB parachuting on the open." Book headstock, cool black to white bursts on the front and back. Originally had a humbucker by putting in an Al Nickel 5P90. That sounds awesome. This is one that I don't care if I sell or not, but I thought I'd put it up for sale and see if there's someone who wants it more than me. Lol. <laughs> Lol. Thought I'd just list a guitar for sale. $2,000? Yeah. I think this is someone just like, Look at what I made. This is a this is a place to uh, document, you know, my project, which I, which I think is a fun and creative way to use reverb. Like we should all just put stuff up for thousands of dollars more than it's worth just to show our stuff, right? Why not? I think it's we've seen a bunch of like tribute guitars over the years that like are tributes of various different pop culture things like there was that oj simpson guitar years and years ago <laughs> like there's been various different things over the years as a kid who grew up on un- unsolved mysteries like this this hit me a little bit like i was like oh this is fun this seems very well executed it's very specific i think they actually did i'm not gonna do a side by side here in person maybe i will in post I'm not going to do a side-by-side, but I feel like that's a very accurate depiction of, like, the wanted poster art of the guy. And for for those that don't know, D.B. Cooper is this guy who, like, I think that's just an alias. That's not his real name. That's what he signed, like, a note or whatever. He was on a plane, 
He did a skyjacking. He had, I, I assume he had guns and it, someone else is in, in, in the comments will tell the whole story because they're probably a, a fan or is there special interest or whatever. Mm-hmm. He skyjacked the plane. He took all this money and then he threw open the hatch and said, sayonara suckers. And he jumped out and he parachuted into the woods and was never seen again. And every couple of years, some mystery show tries to go out and find money in a creek somewhere or something like that to try to figure out what happened to D.B. Cooper. And also every couple of years, some, you know, some old man dies and his final words to his to his great-grandson is like, I was D.B. Cooper. <laughs> and then he passes away and we're like, was it true? Is it him? And like, you never hear anything again. I don't know. <laughs> I did not know this. This is now the new funnest thing uh, I've read is that there is a device that was put on planes after the DB Cooper skyjacking, uh, and also other after other hijackings in 1972, called the Cooper Vane. It is a like a small device that was put on the ventral staircase to prevent it from being opened from the inside. Interesting. So basically, you could only like it's like just a thing that. You could only, you had to like, it's just a latch, but it's an outside latch. Right, right. So you can't like rob a plane and then jump out the back because. Also imagine jump like, out the back. I mean, I think this was a, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm, I've always assumed it was like a smaller prop plane. No. Was it like a. It was a commercial flight. But was it a jet? It's just Boeing 727. Really? I always thought it was like a little fun, like prop no. plane. Like they, you know, like they still had like two rows, but like a 727, you say? 727. So for reference, and he, where get, is, where and is he the didn't get torn to, to bits jumping out of this thing? He jumped out the, he just fell out, out of the back of the plane. Huh. I, I mean, he didn't fall, but you know what I mean. Sure. Uh, oh look! Yeah, there's a plane right there on the guitar, and it's got jets on the side. Yeah, this is a hundred and six. Like the smallest version is a hundred and six seater. How high were they when he when he jumped? Oh, I don't know. I mean, they you're don't... on the Wikipedia, Steve. Well, I don't. It doesn't say wh- how high they were. Steve, we're just going to read the Wikipedia for DB Cooper All the right. rest of the show. DB Cooper is a media epithet for an unidentified man who hijacked Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 305 a Boeing 727 aircraft in the United States airspace on November 24th, 1971. During the flight from Portland to Seattle, the hijacker told a flight attendant he was armed with a bomb, demanded $200,000, and requested four parachutes upon landing in Seattle. After releasing the passengers in Seattle, the hijacker instructed the crew to refuel and begin a flight to Mexico City with a refueling stop in Reno. About 30 minutes after taking off from Seattle, the hijacker opened the aircraft's aft door deployed the staircase and parachuted into the night over southwestern Washington. The hijacker has never been found or conclusively identified. There you go. Like, I get the sense that to a a lot of people, like, this guy is a bit of a folk hero. Yeah. Because he he did it and got away with it, you know? Yeah. And some people assume that, like, he he died on the way on. Right, right. On the fall or. In the woods. Or in the woods or, you know, there's a lot of. A lot of things, or you know, that nobody knows, right? Like that, like we're we're probably uh, not far away from people making guitars themed after that guy that made that uh, that murder dozer that 
he took out oh. the whole town with. <laughs> you, know, yeah, yeah. you know who I'm talking about? But, like, I, but I think that's one of the things, too, about that's so... Um, uh, I don't and these modern folk heroes fun fun maybe isn't the right word but especially compelling especially for us I mean DB Cooper's been a compelling figure for a very long time but even like now there's almost I think uh for people who look into him be, being that we are post 911 mm. um this harkens back to a, a bygone era. a more civil time when Plane hijackers were, they just wanted money. They would hijack the plane. Right, right. They would get the money and then they would parachute out. Gentlemen hijackers. Never never to be heard from again. Men in suits with cool glasses that skydived out of planes with sacks full of money. You know, or or more romantic time. I think they, okay, during the forensic search of the aircraft, FBI agents found four major pieces. Uh, So that's of the plane. He had a clip on tie. Amateur. Come on. Uh, I mean, but if you're trying to change identities quickly like that, yeah. yeah. The tie actually had DNA on it, but then not enough that they could uh, figure anything out. It was just D and N. Yeah. It didn't have the Uh, A. I think also this might have been during the time when it was, you know, obviously, again, this is like a pre-9-11 thing where it was just a lot easier to, like, fake credentials and get on a plane. It was like catching the bus. Yeah. I'd like a ticket to Mexico, please. Oh, right away, sir. Would you like steak or lobster on your flight? Like, that's what it was like in 1971, a time when I wasn't alive. Here's some more fun facts about it. They found lycopodium spores, uh, which is a pharmaceutical force, a pharmaceutical potential source. They also found minute particles of unalloyed titanium on the tie, along with particles of bismuth, antimony, cerium, strontium sulfide, aluminum, and titanium antimony Mm. alloys, Potentially suggesting he worked for Boeing or another aeronautical engineering firm at a chemical manufacturing plant or at a medical at a metal fabrication and production facility. The material with the most significance was the Ellen. So what you're saying is that titanium. this is a heavy metal guitar. <laughs> well, DB Cooper at least was a heavy Brought metal. Brought it back to guy. guitars. Um, but yeah, I this is like a really fascinating thing. They did find some of the money. Like in the woods. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's hard to carry uh, that much stuff. Like 10 years later, they found disin- like basically a bunch of disintegrated bills. Well, he had to pour some out for the homies that couldn't be there, you know. <laughs> some people think that like he may have dropped like the suitcase or something that it was in and lost some of it. What I like to imagine is that he gracefully landed in the woods and everything went perfectly. And he's he put on... Uh, you know, like a different set of clothes mm-hmm. and he redid mm-hmm. his look and the plan is going off without a hitch. And then he just got mauled to death oh by a God. bear or a cougar or a giant boar or something like that. Or Bigfoot himself picked him up and tore him a ha- in half. And then the money just flittered off into the woods. I'd like to think that he went to, he landed, went to his local East County bar Flash that cash, and then he got mauled by a cougar. Ah, uh, yeah, you know different, what I mean? the different kind <laughs> of cougar. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. If you ever go to Second Wind in Santee, you know exactly what I'm a, talking uh, about. A, uh, now it's a geography podcast. A lustful, mature lady. 
I really like the parachute dude on the headstock. <laughs> Clearly, obviously, this thing's not worth what he's asking. $2,000. This is like a $99 guitar. Yeah, it's an Orville by Gibson, which is like... No, this. it's a Maestro by Gibson. Oh, it's a Maestro by Gibson. These so were it's like, sold in Walmart. Yeah, it's a, it's a Costco... <laughs> budget uh, interestingly has the book scroll on it it's funny yeah that, I, funny that gibson did that on like the cheapest thing yeah, they had those on the maestro and baldwin guitars um this is effectively a les paul jr um it needs a it needs an accessory it needs a money printed strap and then and oh. then you're set does, does Rocket Music Gear sell a money strap? I, I bet if you ask them to, they would have one ready for you tomorrow. So I only have one design complaint. Oh, great. Why isn't the airplane centered on the guard? With, I don't like, know, It Steve. should be centered with the fret, fret Yeah, markers. it would be nice if it was centered with the fret markers, and it would be neat if the fret markers were little clouds. Oh, that It would can't be, be perfect, Steve. It is what it is. I know, I know. I, I've, I'm not totally in love with the stippling around the edges of the body. It works that, with like, the style. pseudo burst. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it, it it's, works. It's dumb, but it works. Like, it's dumb, but it works. If it was there by itself without everything else, I'd be like, yeah, this is horrible. But what band do you play this in? Like, you, you're, like, <laughs> you got, you're either in a very specific band or like... People are, the rest of the band is just like, yeah, he's got a thing. He's just like really into this guy. Um, I mean, I think the answer is obvious. What's the answer, Steve? The answer is obvious. Fun loving criminals? I mean, that that works too. Yeah. Uh, you play this in a ska band or you play this in a, uh, in a like a surf, like a, like a, it like, does, it, what, what it is it called? Pulp Fiction-y, I guess. Sp like Spy Surf? Spy surf, yeah. Like this is that spy surf vibe that like totally, totally. It's a mod crime. Yeah. I do like the idea of of DB Cooper being a rude boy in his suit and his tie and skinking off the plane. I mean, you're all if you're if you're in like a if you're in the specials, you're already wearing suits, yeah. black and white suits. He was a he was a rude boy. Yeah. That's what they. That's what the FBI found out. They found out this guy's a rude boy. Very rude. He took yeah. that two hundred thousand dollars. Was it only two hundred thousand? It's but that's nineteen seventy one two hundred thousand. So it was so like a like, million. It's a million. It's like a million. Yeah, like one point two million. That's still pretty good for for getting away with it. Yeah. Like, there's probably a certain line where it's like, you take that much, you're probably not going to get away with it. Mm -hmm. Two hundred grand in nineteen seventy one. He got away with it. Yeah. It was the right yeah. amount. He figured it out. He he hit he found the sweet spot. But then he could never really spend that money without being found, right? Like can, I don't think the bills they knew what they were. Maybe they were unmarked, you know? Maybe they cuz he he did it by surprise. So, you I don't know. You just got to be smart. You got to spread that out. The bill here or bill there. That always sounds like such a pain in the ass to me. Like to do a crime and then have to be sp like so picky about how you spend the money because you could get caught. I just like just earn it. It's just, just it's just like a side game. You know, you're going to spend all that time figuring out how to spend it without getting caught. Like just earn it. Just earn the money. I mean, where did he get these bills from? That's what I, I don't like. Did they... I don't, I don't know. Don't, let's not read it anymore. Let's keep going. We wanted to make this a shorter episode. Yeah, Steve. Ryan, here's, yes, here's what I got to say about this. Tell me. Uh, I don't think you and I are planning 
on uh, hijacking a plane and demanding $200,000 or the modern day equivalent of $1.2 million. Definitely not, Steve. Right Definitely now. not on my calendar. Uh, so instead, what we uh, do is we okay. rely on uh, the good folks out there to support us through Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash 60cyclehumcast, where for as little as a dollar a month or as much as $200,000 a year, <laughs> uh, you can support... The production of this program nice. and other uh, things, other YouTube uh, videos on this channel. Uh, just go check them out. And, um, and yeah, go check it out. We send swag packs at the $5 and above levels. And by we, I mean I send them. Steve. Ryan. We typically pull in about $700 a month. Yes, correct. From Patreon. That is correct. How many months do you think it would take to earn that $200,000 that D.B. Cooper stole in 1971? Uh, it would take... Do it in your head. Seven. It would take 300, about 300 months. 285 months. Yeah. Pretty close, I mean, I Steve. wasn't trying to nail it. Pretty like, close. About 300 months. Now, 200... You overspun the landing a 285 little bit. 285 months is like... 25 years? 23. 23.8. Yeah. I'll give that to you. You got really close. (laughs) I feel like 300 is pretty close to 285. Steve, we're only about 14 years away from getting all that money, from earning all that money that D.B. Cooper stole in 1971. But we're earning it the honest way by begging for it. By begging for it on a guitar podcast. Uh, We appreciate everyone who supports the show. That's It's actually a really... And we're splitting it. uh, It's a really... Big, it's a, it's like we're not even splitting it's a, it. It's a minor <laughs> production. It's budget. a minor stress point every week uh, when Ryan goes to make the video. Uh, but it's also one of my favorite parts of the week uh, when you go to do the edit and you text me and say, "Hey, is the Patreon list up to date?" And I'm like, "Oh, I need to go add people to the Patreon list. I can't export the the episode until and, he uh, updates the list." And that's like one of my favorite parts of the week because I get to like see the new names because that's how we make the new names for the thing every week and we. We scroll that thing, and everybody mm-hmm. who supports us on Patreon gets their name. And I've started on to do like Patreon funded demos and, and stuff like that. I've been, I've been doing like as many as two scrolls in those videos. Wow! So you get you get your name on a screen in homes all around the world, in pockets all around the world. People sitting on the toilet watching guitar videos, mm-hmm. they see your name. It's pretty incredible stuff, Patreon. Ryan, I'm not I, talking to everyone else. I'm just talking to the Patreons. Ryan, right I, ha- I have to say. Yes, Steve. That Patreon pitch wasn't a hundred percent honest because we also earn money through sponsorships like this one. Well, from we also mer- earn money Joy. all sorts of ways, Steve. It's, it's not the only way we earn money. That but, but String we- Joy strings are manufactured in Nashville, Tennessee, and they're playing on stages worldwide. That's true. These are the orbiters. I've said this last week. I'm going to say it this week. Got them on my last Paul, and I love them. I got them on just about everything around here. Not the Orbers, but String Joys. I got right. I got yeah. Orbers yeah. on a lot of stuff. And I will say I like them a lot. They, you, they feel like teeth because they're coated with enamel. If you want to check them out, uh, click the link down in the description. And then use code HUM at checkout to save 10%. I'm going to keep doing, 10%. I'm going to keep doing the tooth bit until String Joy puts a little tooth logo on the Orbiters. Oh, my gosh. And it, that says they feel like teeth. 
I hope they never do that. That's, it's a nonsense thing that I say just because they say they're covered I, with enamel. I hope they never do that. And that takes a lot for me to say because it's a dumb bit that I wish you wouldn't do. Ryan, this ad was sent by Dave Patrick O'Donnell. <laughs> Uh, this is a Gibson Thunderbird 4 1964 reel. It's seven grand in Coatesville. If you see this ad, it's still for sale. So if you ask, I will ignore you. I picked this, Steve, just because I know that you lost after Thunderbird. Basis. Uh, to see this clear, click on the big photo. Here we go. This is a 100% real 64 T-Bird, and it has no repairs. Very hard to find one with no repairs. Obviously, someone decided to cut down some corners. We guess they wanted a non-reverse. Uh, parts wise, I'm terrified. I have not looked at the pictures parts wise. It's almost 100% original. Also, the only change is the mid sixties Gibson bridge. They used the original stud holes. So if you ever want to put the original back, you just screw it back in. We do not have it. It plays and sounds exactly like a T-bird should the original pickup sound perfect. The original factory shielding paint that is in all T-birds and F-birds still exists. Early 1964 pots, approximately eight pounds. It comes with brand new Gibson hard shell case. You get Excuse me. All you see here, there is a pickup. There is a pickup cavity. I'm going back through the pictures. Heads back of the headstock looks good. This is on Sweetwater.com used apparently. Maybe I don't know. Front of the headstock looks okay. Um, the body shape has been uh, uh, modified a little bit. What? Yeah. <laughs> It's not it's not the craziest thing we've ever seen, but it is a little bit sad. I guess they non-reverses and and maybe I'll say maybe cuz they don't they don't really seem to know. They just uh, made it more gumby-ish. Yeah. Uh it's more of just a it's 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 turned into more of an or, I suppose, like this kind of fits into a conversation I had the other day. Okay. Uh, in, I'm glad you get to continue that conversation now. Um, is I would like to imagine that, yeah, this is a 64 Thunderbird uh, base. That's maybe somebody modified like in the 70s. Right. Um, I saw the other day a uh, somebody had a listing. Actually, I think they emailed it in, so we might talk about it in a, a few weeks. Uh, but it's a um, Gibson Epiphone or not a Epiphone, a Gibson Les Paul, the Paul two. So in the late mid late nineties, they came out with remember the Paul from yeah, the eighties. Yeah. I remember the Paul. They made a, the Paul two. Yeah. The sequel. Um, that was kind of like, it's basically a studio and this person took out all the hardware, dropped in an EMG and like two pots and called it a, two controls and called it a day and the commentary on it, which I understand. And I feel like this is going to be the commentary uh, in the comment section of this video is, you know, who would do that to a Gibson? The Paul two was probably like a six or $700 less Paul in its day. Right. You know, um, I think now, excuse me, I, I'm scratching my face, but I don't know why I need to say that. It's itchy. I think that he's got a real itchy face. We're at a point where Gibson, used is like worth so much of all eras right uh or they are seen even like the cheapest like les paul studios people think of them as like investment pieces right um that like the idea of taking you know oh i bought this les paul for or i bought whatever gibson for like under 750 dollars, so i'm gonna do whatever the hell i want like just hurts some people's feelings 
hurts their brains. Sure. Well, to try also to like wrap around. things used to be different, and like yeah. you know, people used to do lots and lots of drugs. They still do lots and lots of drugs, but. You know, they, they did them in different ways in the seventies. Maybe I don't know. Well, I don't know what I'm saying. So what pe- are you saying? People did whatever. People do whatever the hell they want to the guitars. You know, like 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 I would feel nothing to get some. You know, like modern affordable Gibson and do whatever modifications I wanted to. Yeah. Like I had that. I had that Les Paul. That like I think I sold that thing for eight hundred bucks. It was a Gibson. I and uh, I would have no problem definishing it. I would have no problem like putting an arm contour on it if I wanted to or something like that. If I had some sort of crazy idea, I wouldn't feel like it was something special or rare or or uh, 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 sacred that needed to be protected at all costs. And that's how this person felt about this base when they did this stuff to it. It makes me a little bit sad because the shape that they ended up with is definitely less attractive than the original shape. Did we talk about this before? This I, maybe, base? maybe you knew this. I did not know this. That the Firebird and the and the Thunderbird were designed by uh, Ray Dietrich, who was a automobile designer. I did not know that, but that sounds about right. I mean, yeah. I I always admired the the center raised portion. Yeah. So of the, the Thunderbirds, Firebirds, etc. So the Firebird was basically designed to look like a mid fifties tail yeah. fin. Totally. Which makes sense. Um, I wonder if there's a way to salvage this. Not not to restore it necessarily, but to... Like, I bet that you could cut that lower horn to be a little bit more... To be more visually interesting. Yeah. I, because, think, well, I think that's one of the problems with the current state of this is it just looks lumpy. Yeah, it's just it's kind of boring. Yeah, like they took they took it down to raw wood, which I don't hate that. Like a, a pit guard would help it, getting some visual interest on there, some contrast. Uh, you could you could do the thing where you would have an upper and lower pit guard on this pretty easily. I think cut. I honestly think cutting a a more pronounced lower horn into it would do a lot for what we have here. Maybe I'll do a quick little Photoshoppy thing. Editing Ryan's pissed right now. I, I know. You, yeah, you're making me do stuff now. Well, if you if you want an idea, Ryan, I'm thinking like Washburn A style, maybe Ryan, like Ryan. go a little deeper with that bottom horn. There is some room, and he, I know someone out there is screaming. They're like, "No, no, don't touch it! It's 1960s wood. It's like, already, you, it's already, it's already mangled. No, of course it's seven thousand dollars. I know. Like someone has to pay seven grand. For the, in theory, for the opportunity to to try to save this a little this, bit, yeah. The person owning it should do that. They should just be. Like, I've got this thing. Sure, let's go hog wild. Unless they really think they can get seven grand for it, like maybe there's someone out there who would pay seven grand for this. I don't understand that person. Like if it was one of our friends, if one of our friends bought this for seven grand, I'd be like, you idiot. Why? Yeah. What the hell is wrong with you? But then I would look at it and be like, will you let me cut more wood off of it? Uh, <laughs> like walking towards it with a handsaw, let me fix it. <laughs> but I like the 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 upper bout was modified, but I feel like that's all right. Like that part isn't messing with my eye. Mm-hmm. That lower horn is really where the trouble is. And I think there's various different ways to attack that that could make it work. 
this is eight grand on reverb. So it's actually listed a little higher. The only other Thunderbird I'm seeing on reverb is 45,000. Like Holy from that, hell. from that time period, let's see if 65, 65, there's a, well, 65, there's a reverse for 5,000. There's some other ones on here that for 10,000. So that 44,000 is probably asking for a bit much. Do you uh, think, oh, excuse me, I'm tired. Do you think there could be a value in this being a parts guitar in that if there was another 60s Thunderbird bass that had a broken neck, mm. say the truss rod is completely screwed, that maybe the neck got snapped in the middle or something like that, a, a very, very talented tech, luthier, woodworker, etc., could do a very ambitious neck replacement a neck swap so they could look at this and be like i could buy the seven thousand dollar mangled base and i could transfer the neck over to this otherwise fine like what did you say forty five thousand dollar the thing is is none of the other so i think that price is it's almost like an f off price right right like who knows what who actually paid that yeah I'm not seeing anything else over 10 grand, but in theory and at 10 grand, this is not worth it. Also the thing that you're describing, I mean, maybe it's possible. It would, it would be like, it would result in a full refinish afterwards, but they would, they would cut the a block of wood out around the neck and, and, and glue it in to the other body. You're thinking of doing it that way. Right. I was thinking of using like a heat treat. Oh, to delaminate. To, to separate the wings and transplant the neck oh. and the center block. I don't know. I mean, either way, these are both extremely dumb ideas. <laughs> People do stuff like that, though. Like there's very talented woodworkers out there. I don't think you do this on seven a uh, seven grand part i think if this is like if this was you do it on a seven grand guitar to turn it into a 20 20 grand guitar. if you had a mint thunderbird where say the neck was warped and it was warped beyond repair because here, here's the other thing right like you think about this if your neck has a twist in it and it doesn't took, matter if the neck is warped because no one's actually ever going to play it well <laughs> gonna go in a glass case uh say it say it's minty but then but the neck sure. is warped i don't know why or say it, it drop no uh, let's say it's an insurance case let's let's say it, there was a terrible accident yeah. in transit in between you know mansions with glass cases and the neck got broken in the middle and it's not it can't be repaired it can't be repaired but or this style of repair would be more ideal i i fully think that a talented woodworker slash luthier Mm-hmm. could cut that neck out of that body and reinstall it into a a non-mangled body but I'm telling and do you, and do a a very authentic refin on it to to bring it back up to value. I don't think you cut it out. I think you have to delaminate it. I think you have to delaminate the wings and transplant the center block. Are the wings glued on? It's not a center. The wings are glued on. Maybe, but hasn't the hasn't have has the center block been mangled at all? Look at. Maybe not. There's a line there and there's a line there. 
This is one piece. You might be right, Steve. You might be right. I think I'm right. That's my understanding of Thunderbirds. I We had uh, on a live stream a while ago, a bully jumped on and we talked about Thunderbirds a little and he said, Thunderbirds is the base that everybody thinks they want they want to own until they actually play one and then they don't want to own it anymore. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, right, right. that's that. That's that. Um, so I think you, you'd have to be buying this for like under two grand. Sure. For it to be tra- a transplant situation at all. I don't know the value of these things. It's all speculative to me. I don't know. Well, I'm saying like if I'm, if I'm the average price I'm seeing on reverb is like eight to 10 grand. Okay. All right. In order for this to be, and this doesn't even have the original bridge. I, I don't know where they're getting this. You price can get that. You can find the original bridge. I don't know where they're getting this price of seven or eight grand or whatever. For it's this. a feeler price. They're just putting yeah. it out there, you know, see what kind of offers they get. Ryan. Yeah, Steve. What's new? I don't think anything's new. At this time of year, we're, we're starting to think about Nam coming up real, real quick. I'm feeling stressed. Do we want to talk about Nam? When this episode airs, I'm feeling stressed, but we recorded it a week and a half ago. I don't really want to talk about Nam. I'm just letting people know I'm going to be busy. So, you know, you're going to be push it. You're going to be busy at Nam. I'm going to be busy before Nam because there's before a bunch. Nam. There's a bunch of stuff that I need to film and edit and and prep to launch to line up with Nam. Like, there I'm going to be launching. Maybe it's this. Is it this week or is it next? The last I can. There's one week where I'm launching two fuzz pedals, it, two days in a row. <laughs> I think I know what one of those is, but I don't think I know well, what the other one there's is. There's just stuff coming up that is going to make me busy and I'm going to feel a little bit stressed, but it's fine. Right, it's fine. What do you got, new Steve? I don't have anything new, Ryan, but what I do want to say is sometimes when you feel stressed, what you need to do is plug in a fine pedal from Chase Bliss. Uh, This is not the mood, but, you know, playing around with the Chase Bliss pedal would put me in a better mood, especially when it's a fine, fine pedal like the Dark World. One of my favorite spooky ambient reverbs. Uh, I like to keep this thing set on a very specific setting, Steve. If, so if, don't mess around with my uh, little dip switches up there. Whoops. Did you? I don't. If I did, it was like subconscious. So I don't know if I did. <laughs> but I, I don't know. No, I, I don't think you did. I what, think it's going to be fine. What I want to say, Ryan, is don't touch my dip switches, Steve. If you're feeling stressed out, a Chase Bliss pedal could help you. I mean, why go to therapy when you can buy Chase Bliss? <laughs> Head on over to ChaseBliss.com. Chase Bliss does not. You know, people. What is it? What is it? Chase Bliss does not actually recommend that you don't go to therapy. In fact, we all should be going to therapy, especially Steve. Yeah. People are like, oh, Chase Bliss pedals so expensive. They, they're worth about two hours of therapy, and you need <laughs> therapy. So you probably get a lot more hours of therapy out of a dark world or a mood or a thermo <sighs> or a habit. <laughs> Then you would out of bank for two hours with a therapist who might talk to you about your dad. And you don't want to talk about your dad, do you? I tried to I tried to <laughs> bail on the ta- on the therapy joke and you just had to double down. <laughs> hey, do you want to talk about your dad or do you want to make cool reverb sounds? I do like, want to make cool reverb sounds. See, see, Steve. Ryan. Uh, can you tell me what the topic is this week, Ryan? Uh, is it that time already? That Jeez, time. we are flying by. I got a screen grab here. Let me find it. Uh, where are you? Oh, our, the topic suggestion was from 
Nelson Oscar. Hi, Nelson. Nelson asks, what's the best way to promote your music in 2024? What do you think, Steve? Uh, well, I think uh, the best way is to uh, be a self-producing or songwriter, multi-instrumentalist from Oregon, who seemed like a good time as any to send some music to 60 cycle homecast at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Uh, people have said that Zach Wasserman uh, has a Jack Johnson meets Burt backrack sound with an indie vibe and a beach twist. He's released three albums since 2019 and will be starting to record the fourth one soon. Here's the first song and title track from his debut album. Listen to your hearts. to promote your music in 2024 to send it to 60 cycle at gmail.com as a attached mp3 or other file so that we don't have to download it from anywhere but like honestly like as a real topic we don't have to spend too much time on it and sorry to everyone who thought that was the end of the episode because we usually yeah. we do that at the end uh how, however you can get years on your music However, yeah. there's huh? a million ways to do it now. There's no best way because if there was a best way, then it would be saturated. And anywhere where it's saturated is not going to be the best way anymore. So get creative. Try a lot of different little ways. I think it's really hard now. I think there's a... It's always been hard, but it's especially hard I, now. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of a lot more pressure on, on musicians to also be content creators and mm -hmm. do the the TikTok trends and, and all that kind of stuff to promote your band. I don't know, even know if that works. I, I still kind of feel like a lot of like the trad, the trad ways, the traditional ways of, you know, just play shows and get out there and do it is kind of still the thing, but being a musician, what do I know? Has, I haven't been in a band in, in 10 years. It's always been hard. It has always been a difficult thing to do to try to get your music out there 
to try to get noticed, to try to get appreciated by the public, to try to get a growing audience. It's extremely difficult for a reason. It's because there's a lot, a lot of people who want to make music because it's an incredibly spiritually intrinsically rewarding thing to do to make music and and to share it with people. People want to do it so desperately that there's a lot of competition. If you're good, you're good. That track was good. You know, Ryan, people want to listen to good music. If you can, if you are making good music and you can find ways that to get people to listen to it, then, then just keep doing that. Ryan, I think I'm going to paraphrase you or do it or as close to directly quote you as I can. Cause I, I think you gave the answer a few weeks ago. Oh, uh, and you remembered the it. best way to promote your music is nepotism. Yes, absolutely. Uh, have a rich yeah. uncle or, or parent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's probably the best way. So, like, so you should probably get on that. Like you, you're, you're, your parents don't need to own a record company, but if they had the money to buy it right. when you need them to, then that helps a lot. Yeah. Like they don't need to own it right now, but if they could buy it for you, yeah. like that could help a lot. Like uh, say your parents don't have to be, they don't have to own a record label, but maybe your cousin is the stockbroker that the CEO of the record label uses. Right, right, right. He can put in a word for you. Like, like may, they may not be directly connected to music, but say they're connected to the entertainment industry in other ways. Like, what if, what if your your mom is like a Hollywood producer or something like that? She can probably get your song into a show or a movie or mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that. So try that. If you're trying to get your music out to a wider audience, try nepotism. Mm-hmm. You know, just just have rich or famous relatives. It's easy, guys. Come on. That Come would on. have been a better joke if we had a bunch. We could allude to a bunch of examples of things like. Do you think either of us are, or as uh, a channel as a whole, sixty cycle on? Do you think? that we have enough clout behind us that if our kids are successful in any ways, people are going to be like, ah, nepotism. No, either do I, I don't know. I think our kids are going to have to no. work for it no matter what. I mean, no, no. <laughs> unless, unless like their career is directly related to like having access to way too many pedals. Yeah, it's like if they if if it was more like one of our kids at some point like down the road is like, I want to be a guitar YouTuber also, no. and then we just bring them into the business. No, if if one of our kids started building musical instruments mm-hmm. like pedals, guitars, amps, anything, you know they're getting free demos. Yeah, you know that that's the nepotism that would that would actually like. That's the nepotism we can provide. Yeah. If our kids want to build pedals, that we have nepotism. And you're going to be promoting it. And, yeah. then, and, and, and that is nepotism. Yeah. And I will not be ashamed to do it. I'm like, look at my child's pedal that they have crafted with their own hands and their own imagination. It's a fuzz face. This is their first pedal. Lay off of them. Yeah. It's a good first pedal. It's a fuzz face clone. But their next pedal is going to be weirder and then weirder and then weirder. Hopefully. Hopefully. So sorry, Nelson. We we don't really know the yeah. answer, but if you'd like to send us one of your tracks, that would be awesome. We're actually pretty close. We only have, I think, four more songs in the bank. Uh oh. So we definitely and three of them are from the same person. So <laughs> if this was a ska show, you could call the uh, you could call it the Skank Bank. <laughs> All right. 
this last ad was sent by David Santander about this listing. Looking to move this. Lots of watchers don't hesitate. Own history. Hard to describe. 69 to 71 SG player and sounds great, but probably a collector should lock it away as it is a 1969 to 1971. The paint job resembles what Eric Clapton was doing in that era. Look closely as the paint is crackled. Like the Mona Lisa, I'm told that happens with age. I'm not a guitar expert, just a player. Bought it 10 years ago and need to thin the herd. Hoping there is something even more valuable about this guitar for whomever buys it. Case seems original. Again, I know it's a 1969 to 71 based on the serial number and some messages from others on the site that gave me helpful info. But the rest of the story, I don't know. I recently plugged it in and tuned it and played it, polished it, and took these pictures. Message me with offers if you think the price is too high. Candidly, this should be in a museum. Mm. If you live close to Kalamazoo, but it's from me and see if uh, buy this, buy it for me and see if Gibson will buy it from you for their museum. Does Gibson have a museum in Kalamazoo? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Free shipping in the U.S., UPS ground. Outside of the U.S., I'll go for $250 U.S., and the rest of any would be at your cost. Lots of watchers. They are asking $2,850, a $22,150 price drop. It now says Gibson SG1971 custom painted, not reissue, actually 1971, but also, again, a $22,000. This was originally listed for $25,000. I think someone talked some sense into them. Uh, I will say, though, I don't hate it. I no. like the colors being used. I think the the okay. So what we're looking at here is a uh, an SG. I've never seen a uh, that type of trim. I've never a seen vibrato. a Gibson branded Bigsby style. Which that's trim what like I that. mean. Obviously, I've seen a Bigsby. Right, right. But, but it does with, with one with the Gibson stamp. It on. does have some unique lines to it that I I really appreciate. I like looking at it. I forget this exact model SG that has the segmented pick guards with the like the Les Paul pick guard and then the uh, the half moon. Croissant uh, Picard. I know that that's a thing. Um, didn't these have harmonica did call, bridges did on them? Did you call it a croissant Picard? Yeah, it's kind of the shape of a croissant. I would have expected to see a harmonica bridge on this, so that that um, that bridge on there might not be original. I I weird I weirdly like this finishing, even though it's it's not it's not you know, excellent of the era airbrushing is trying to do that kind of like tricked out 1970s van airbrushing Mm -hmm. sort of thing. It's very iridescent. It's very pastel. The way the neck is wearing is, is very fun very unusual. It's like a, it's like dragon scales, the way that it's wearing away from the neck uh, with these little dots of splattery spray paint here and there. Uh, They layered all sorts of things on the front. Like there's pinstriping, there's the splatter dots, there's geometric shapes, there's pink, there's blue, there's greens, there's yellows and purples. Like I like this color scheme a lot. The randomness of it also appeals to me. The, The aging of it, the cracking of it. Like, I don't, I don't know. I think I really like it. Like it's, it's ugly in ways but ugly in ways that I find strangely beautiful. There's a little bit of pinstriping on that segmented control panel where the knobs are that I don't hate either. 
the back of it, the, the part that is actually trying to be a discernible image, there's like a mountainscape with a lake and the sun. Yeah. That's my least favorite part, and I'm still fine with it. It's also kind of upside down. I guess if you flip the guitar forward towards the audience, then it's not. But to the, the, the viewpoint of the person wearing it, that mountain is upside down. I don't know. I'm kind of a little bit in love with it. If I was a rich boy who could throw around no, 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 three grand on a 1971 SG, this might this might be in my collection. But I cannot tell from these pictures, but it looks like it might not have. Is there a volute on this? I can't tell because of the way the paint job is done. Um, well, it's got a little. It's, Maybe it does. I, I just, I'm just saying I can't tell. It's slight, but it's 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 not like the triangle volute that maybe you're looking for. That's I'm looking for like the heavier like get that Gibson was using. I maybe a little deeper into the 70s. Here's the thing: is there are four. This is the, an SG Deluxe, and there are four the of Deluxe. them on Reverb that are cheaper. Okay. Uh, there are some that are more expensive, and there's actually a, a stereo version of this guitar. Nice. That's like apparently very rare, so people are trying to get ten grand for them. Do but any of them have the that specific Bigsby on them? They, yes. Do they have harmonica bridges? They do not. Really? So this is all original. That's surprising. Uh, but yeah, here's a there's a 1971 SG Deluxe. They're all brown or cherry. Uh, look at this. This one's all pink and blue and yeah, because it's a refin. It's all cracked like the Mona Lisa, Steve. More like the Tona Lisa. This wow. is the Tona Lisa. Wow, <laughs> that's bad. Ah, oh, come on, it's not that bad. Tona Lisa. <laughs> You got to put that in the title now. <laughs> oh man! I don't, the way the wear is on the neck and the like going through the cracking, cracking, giving the that dragon scale appearance. It makes me think that this is a good player. That someone really enjoyed playing this thing. It makes me think somebody refinished it and did a bad job. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but also, like, they lucked their way into beauty because, like, it's got, it's got some mojo yeah, to it that I really fine. appreciate. I guess. I'm picking it. That's my that's my Adventure Club pick. That's your Adventure Club pick? Yeah. Oh, man. We got D.B. Cooper. We got that Thunderbird bass. Dude, my Adventure Club pick is D.B. freaking Cooper. I like this guitar better than the DB Cooper one. Uh, you know right. what? We're gonna we're not gonna do things the way we've been doing. How are we gonna them. do it? <sighs> you don't want to flip a pick? I almost said thumb war, but I know you'll beat me. I don't know. My hand's a little. We're gonna little we're sweat. gonna flick a different pick. We're gonna flip a different. We're gonna flick pick. this. We're we're breaking the tradition because the the spin doctor's pick it favors Steve every single time and i'm sick of it <laughs> i'm so over it steve do we have anything else that we could we could flick that's not a pick that's not a pick we did it with the coin before and i think i won all of those too oh my gosh steve why are you so lucky i don't know all right i think i think this we is should just you know if we could if we had like a hx stomp we could plug in a, a couple guitars into that into the console and we could just have a riff off and that would guarantee that you would win 
Okay. The printed side means that I win. Okay. <laughs> what the hell? How is this possible every single time? DB Cooper got it. DB Cooper got it. Congratulations. What's the name? Uh, on Steve Peterson. Congratulations, Steve Peterson. You only picked it because it's a Steve. No, I picked it because we talked about DB Cooper for so this long. This is Steve nepotism, and we learned about planes. You just like it because you got you got we, to read Wikipedia. We read Wikipedia. We were finally approaching real podcast status because we read Wikipedia for like 20 minutes straight. We talked about geography. (laughs) We talked about ska. We got very close to being a true crime podcast. (sighs) Congratulations, Steve. I... I'm gonna buy like some loaded dice or like a like a double sided coin or something. I I gotta find some way to win someday. You should just get two different colored die, like a red one. Like what was the board game that came with like one red die and one white die? There's probably a bunch. Yeah, there probably are a bunch, but there was like a, a few popular ones that had that. And so we each get one. We both roll them at the same time, and like whoever gets the higher number. Ah, uh, okay, all right, all right. Or you, we can just roll like. You could do it with just one die. You know what? I've got... D- I miss, like, the old, like, sorry popper thing. You know, like... Trouble. 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 Didn't yeah. sorry have it, too? No, sorry was a card game. That's right. I've also got, like, D&D. Like, I've got... Uh, they're not D&D dice because there's not D- any D20s, but I got some D10s. You want to... I can bring some D10s. I'm going to put our address up here. Okay. You guys send us objects with which to decide, whether it be... Dude! Some sort of... Some sort of, dis- some sort of dice... Uh, a special coin wheel of pedals. You think we should use a spinner wheel? <laughs> you could just relabel it. Ryan, Steve, Ryan, Steve, Ryan, Steve, all the way around. Well, I think let's give people the option to send us, you know, like their special objects that we can okay. flip. All yeah, right. I'll put the address up there. Editing Ryan. Hey, 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 wake up, wake up <laughs> address right here. Put it right here. Okay. Hopefully he heard it's in the description. That doesn't mean anything to me. You think anything Ryan cares about the description? I'm saying to those people, oh, okay, it's okay. In the description. it is always in the description. Yeah, if you want our address, it's a UPS address. It's a UPS box. You can send us whatever you want as long as it's legal, legal and safe. Please don't try to harm us in any way. Yeah. Like, I'm, listen, I'm being serious right now. Please don't try to harm us in any way. <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't have to say that. So directly, but send us cool things if you want to or don't want to. We both wear uh, XL. Shirts. I wear a two XL. Okay, Steve. Steve's a big boy now. Yeah. Big boy. Right. Big boy. Big britches. Big Mr. Steve over here. Large. Okay, you can just do two two XLs, and we'll wear whatever shirts you send. All right. Yeah, I could fit in a double XL. Why not? All right. So get us out of here, Steve. <laughs> Stay grounded. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs>